chapter forty four of monsieur lecoq part two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox recording by tony oliva monsieur lecoq by emile gaborio part two chapter forty four the old physician at vigano who had come to marianne's aid was an honorable man his intellect was of a superior order and his heart was equal to his intelligence he knew life he had loved and suffered and he possessed two sublime virtues forbearance and charity it was easy for such a man to read marianne's character and while he was at the borderie he endeavored in every possible way to reassure her and to restore the self-respect of the unfortunate girl who had confided in him had he succeeded he certainly hoped so but when he departed and marianne was again left in solitude she could not overcome the feeling of despondency that stole over her many in her situation would have regained their serenity of mind and even rejoiced had she not succeeded in concealing her fault who suspected it except perhaps the abbe hence marianne had nothing to fear and everything to hope but this conviction did not appease her sorrow hers was one of those pure and proud natures that are more sensitive to the whisperings of conscience than to the clamors of the world she had been accused of having three lovers chanlouineau martial and maurice the calumny had not moved her what tortured her was what these people did not know the truth nor was this all the sublime instinct of maternity had been awakened within her when she saw the physician depart bearing her child she felt as if soul and body were being rent asunder when could she hope to see again this little son who was doubly dear to her by reason of the very sorrow and anguish he had cost her the tears gushed to her eyes when she thought that his first smile would not be for her ah had it not been for her promise to maurice she would unhesitatingly have braved public opinion and kept her precious child her brave and honest nature could have endured any humiliation far better than the continual lie she was forced to live but she had promised maurice was her husband and reason told her that for his sake she must preserve not her honor alas but the semblance of honor and when she thought of her brother her blood froze in her veins having learned that jean was roving about the country she sent for him but it was not without much persuasion that he consented to come to the borderie it was easy to explain chupin's terror when one saw jean lacheneur his clothing was literally in tatters his face wore an expression of ferocious despair and a fierce unextinguishable hatred burned in his eyes when he entered the cottage marianne recoiled in horror she did not recognize him until he spoke it is i sister he said gloomily you my poor jean you he surveyed himself from head to foot and said with a sneering laugh really i should not like to meet myself at dusk in the forest marianne shuddered she fancied that a threat lurked beneath these ironical words beneath this mockery of himself what a life yours must be my poor brother why did you not come sooner now i have you here i shall not let you go you will not desert me i need protection and love so much 
you will remain with me it is impossible marianne and why a fleeting crimson suffused jean lacheneur's cheek he hesitated for a moment then because i have a right to dispose of my own life but not of yours he replied we can no longer be anything to each other i deny you to-day that you may be able to deny me to-morrow yes i renounce you who are my all the only person on earth whom i love your most cruel enemies have not calumniated you more foully than i he paused an instant then he added i have said openly before numerous witnesses that i would never set foot in a house that had been given you by chanlouineau jean you my brother said that i said it it must be supposed that there is a deadly feud between us this must be in order that neither you nor maurice d'escorval can be accused of complicity in any deed of mine marianne stood as if petrified he is mad she murmured do i really have that appearance she shook off the stupor that paralyzed her and seizing her brother's hands what do you intend to do she exclaimed what do you intend to do tell me i will know nothing let me alone jean let me alone he said roughly disengaging himself a horrible presentiment crossed marianne's mind she stepped back and solemnly entreatingly she said take care take care my brother it is not well to tamper with these matters leave to god's justice the task of punishing those who have wronged us but nothing could move jean lacheneur or divert him from his purpose he uttered a hoarse discordant laugh then striking his gun heavily with his hand he exclaimed here is justice appalled and distressed beyond measure marianne sank into a chair she discerned in her brother's mind the same fixed fatal idea which had lured her father on to destruction the idea for which he had sacrificed all family friends fortune the present and the future even his daughter's honor the idea which had caused so much blood to flow which had cost the life of so many innocent men and which had finally conducted him to the scaffold jean she murmured remember our father the young man's face became livid his hands clenched involuntarily but he controlled his anger advancing toward his sister in a cold quiet tone that added a frightful violence to his threats he said it is because i remember my father that justice shall be done ah oh, these miserable nobles would not display such audacity if all sons had my resolution a scoundrel would hesitate before attacking a good man if he was obliged to say to himself i cannot strike this honest man for though he die his children will surely call me to account their fury will fall on me and mine they will pursue us sleeping and waking pursue us without ceasing everywhere and pitilessly their hatred always on the alert will accompany us and surround us it will be an implacable merciless warfare i shall never venture forth without fearing a bullet i shall never lift food to my lips without dread of poison and until we have succumbed they will prowl about our house trying to slip in through tiniest opening death dishonor ruin infamy and misery he paused with a nervous laugh 
and then still more slowly he added that is what the sermeuse and coutomieu have to expect from me it was impossible to mistake the meaning of jean lacheneur's words his threats were not the wild ravings of anger his quiet manner his icy tones his automatic gestures betrayed one of those cold rages which endure so long as the man lives he took good care to make himself understood for between his teeth he added undoubtedly these people are very high and i am very low but when a tiny worm fastens itself to the roots of a giant oak that tree is doomed marianne knew all too well the uselessness of prayers and entreaties and yet she could not she must not allow her brother to depart in this mood she fell upon her knees and with clasped hands and supplicating voice jean said she i implore you to renounce these projects in the name of our mother return to your better self these are crimes which you are meditating with a glance of scorn and a shrug of the shoulders he replied have done with this i was wrong to confide my hopes to you do not make me regret that i came here then the sister tried another plan she rose forced her lips to smile as if nothing unpleasant had passed between them she begged jean to remain with her that evening at least and share her frugal supper remain she entreated that is not much to do and it will make me so happy and since it will be the last time we shall see each other for years grant me a few hours it is so long since we have met i have suffered so much i have so many things to tell you jean my dear brother can it be that you love me no longer one must have been bronze to remain insensible to such prayers jean lacheneur's heart swelled almost to bursting his stern features relaxed and a tear trembled in his eye marianne saw that tear she thought she had conquered and clapping her hands in delight she exclaimed ah you will remain you will remain no jean had already mastered his momentary weakness though not without a terrible effort and in a harsh voice impossible impossible he repeated then his sister clung to him imploringly he took her in his arms and pressed her to his heart poor sister poor marianne you will never know what it costs me to refuse you to separate myself from you but this must be in even coming here i have been guilty of an imprudent act you do not understand to what perils you will be exposed if people suspect any bond between us i trust you and maurice may lead a calm and happy life it would be a crime for me to mix you up with my wild schemes think of me sometimes but do not try to see me or even to learn what has become of me a man like me struggles triumphs or perishes alone he kissed marianne passionately then lifted her placed her in a chair and freed himself from her detaining hands adieu he cried when you see me again our father will be avenged she sprang up to rush after him and to call him back too late he had fled it is over murmured the wretched girl my brother is lost nothing will restrain him now a vague inexplicable but horrible fear contracted her heart she felt that she was being slowly but surely drawn into a whirlpool of passion rancor vengeance and crime and a voice whispered that she would be crushed but other thoughts soon replaced these gloomy presentiments 
one evening while she was preparing her little table she heard a rustling sound at the door she turned and looked someone had slipped a letter under the door courageously and without an instant's hesitation she sprang to the door and opened it no one was there the night was dark and she could distinguish nothing in the gloom without she listened not a sound broke the stillness agitated and trembling she picked up the letter approached the light and looked at the address the marquis de sairmeuse she exclaimed in amazement she recognized martial's handwriting so he had written to her he had dared to write to her her first impulse was to burn the letter she held it to the flame then the thought of her friends concealed at father poignot's farm made her withdraw it for their sake she thought i must read it she broke the seal with the arms of the de sairmeuse family inscribed upon it and read my dear marianne perhaps you have suspected who it is that has given an entirely new and certainly surprising direction to events perhaps you have also understood the motives that guided him in that case i am amply repaid for my efforts for you cannot refuse me your friendship and your esteem but my work of reparation is not yet accomplished i have prepared everything for a revision of the judgment that condemned baron d'escorval to death or for procuring a pardon you must know where the baron is concealed acquaint him with my plans and ascertain whether he prefers a revision of judgment or a simple pardon if he desires a new trial i will give him a letter of license from the king i await your reply before acting martial de sairmeuse marianne's head whirled this was the second time that martial had astonished her by the grandeur of his passion how noble the two men who had loved her and whom she had rejected had proved themselves to be one chanlouineau after dying for her sake protected her still martial de sairmeuse had sacrificed the convictions of his life and the prejudice of his race for her sake and with a noble recklessness hazarded for her the political fortunes of his house and yet the man whom she had chosen the father of her child maurice d'escorval had not given a sign of life since he quitted her five months before but suddenly without reason marianne passed from the most profound admiration to the deepest distrust what if martial's offer is only a trap this was the suspicion that darted through her mind ah she thought the marquis de sairmeuse would be a hero if he were sincere and she did not wish him to be a hero the result of these suspicions was that she hesitated five days before repairing to the rendezvous where father poignot usually awaited her when she did go she found not the worthy farmer but abbe midon who had been greatly alarmed by her long absence it was night but marianne fortunately knew martial's letter by heart the abbe made her repeat it twice the second time very slowly and when she had concluded this young man said the priest has the voice and the prejudices of his rank and of his education but his heart is noble and generous and when marianne disclosed her suspicions you are wrong my child said he the marquis is certainly sincere it would be wrong not to take advantage of his generosity such at least is my opinion entrust this letter to me i will consult the baron and to-morrow i will tell you our decision the abbe was 
awaiting her with feverish impatience on the same spot when she rejoined him twenty-four hours later monsieur d'escorval agrees with me that we must trust ourselves to the marquis de sairmeuse only the baron being innocent cannot will not accept a pardon he demands a revision of the iniquitous judgment which condemned him although she must have foreseen this determination marianne seemed stupefied what said she monsieur d'escorval will give himself up to his enemies does not the marquis de sairmeuse promise him a letter of license a safe conduct from the king yes she could find no objection so in a submissive tone she said in this case monsieur i must ask you for a rough draft of the letter i am to write to the marquis the priest did not reply for a moment it was evident that he felt some misgivings at last summoning all his courage he said it would be better not to write but it is not that i distrust the marquis not by any means but a letter is dangerous it does not always reach the person to whom it is addressed you must see monsieur de sairmeuse marianne recoiled in horror never never she exclaimed the abbe did not seem surprised i understand your repugnance my child he said gently your reputation has suffered greatly through the attentions of the marquis oh sir i entreat you but one should not hesitate my child when duty speaks you owe this sacrifice to an innocent man who has been ruined through your father he explained to her all that she must say and did not leave her until she had promised to see the marquis in person but the cause of her repugnance was not what the abbe supposed her reputation alas she knew that was lost forever no it was not that a fortnight before she would not have been disquieted by the prospect of this interview then though she no longer hated martial he was perfectly indifferent to her while now perhaps in choosing the croix d'arcy for the place of meeting she hoped that this spot haunted by so many cruel memories would restore her former aversion on pursuing the path leading to the place of rendezvous she said to herself that martial would undoubtedly wound her by the tone of careless gallantry which was habitual to him but in this she was mistaken martial was greatly agitated but he did not utter a word that was not connected with the baron it was only when the conference was ended and he had consented to all the conditions that he said sadly we are friends are we not in an almost inaudible voice she answered yes and that was all he remounted his horse which had been held by a servant and departed in the direction of montaignac breathless with cheeks on fire marianne watched him as he disappeared and then her inmost heart was revealed as by a lightning flash mon dieu wretch that i am she exclaimed do i not love is it possible that i could ever love any other than maurice my husband the father of my child her voice was still trembling with emotion when she recounted the details of the interview to the abbe but he did not perceive it he was thinking only of the baron i was sure that martial would agree to everything i was so certain of it that i have made all the arrangements for the baron to leave the farm he will await at your house a safe conduct from his majesty the close air and the heat of the loft are retarding the baron's recovery the abbe pursued 
so be prepared for his coming to-morrow evening one of the poignot boys will bring over all our baggage about eleven o'clock we will put monsieur d'escorval in a carriage and we will all sup together at the borderie heaven comes to my aid thought marianne as she walked homeward she thought that she would no longer be alone that madame d'escorval would be with her to talk to her of maurice and that all the friends who would surround her would aid her in driving away the thoughts of martial which haunted her so the next day she was more cheerful than she had been for months and once while putting her little house in order she was surprised to find herself singing at her work eight o'clock was sounding when she heard a peculiar whistle it was the signal of the younger poignot who came bringing an armchair for the sick man the abbe's box of medicine and a bag of books these articles marianne deposited in the room which chanlouineau had adorned for her and which she intended for the baron after arranging them to her satisfaction she went out to meet the young poignot who had told her that he would soon return with other articles the night was very dark and marianne as she hastened on did not notice two motionless figures in the shadow of a clump of lilacs in her little garden End of chapter 44 Recording by Tony Oliva, Albuquerque, New Mexico